0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them.
1: Here's your host, Stacy Jones.
0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Becky Lawler. Becky is the founder and chief research and content officer at Redpoint a B2B research agency specializing in data-driven storytelling that boosts brand authority and awareness. Having collaborated with top brands like Adobe, IBM, Samsung, and Zapier, Becky has delivered impactful, expert-driven, and data-supported content that leaves a lasting impression. With her strategic content mythology, she boosts her clients' lead generation efforts and establishes their research as credible sources, earning recognition from respected organizations like Gartner. Using AI tools, Becky has learned how to deliver unique, tailored, data-driven content that truly sets her clients apart. Today, Becky and I are going to be chatting about how to create high-performing, research-driven, original content. We'll learn what works from Becky's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Becky, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am always delighted in all things content because as an agency, we have really differentiated ourselves by producing massive amounts of content, blogs every week, podcasts, videos, all things that have set us apart within our niche. And so I know how powerful it is. How did you get started to get you to here today?
1: Well, um, I have been producing content, I mean, way back I started, (laughs) I have an MFA in creative writing. So that's where I started my writing journey, but I moved into um, freelancing and I landed in the tech space just Um, kind of by chance, uh, an agency that I started with, that's the type of clientele they had, but I found very quickly that I really enjoyed the tech space, especially because there's constant learning involved um, in it and and that I was able to bring that piece of um, taking complexity and making it more um, understandable to Uh, executives like CMOs and stuff. So that's how I kind of entered it. And I've always been focused on the thought leadership type of content, white papers, ebooks, articles that had more of a thought leadership angle to them. I really have always enjoyed doing research um, and interviews and and that um, part of developing content. And when you're going about this
0: and you're first working with a client, How do you figure out what direction to go with them and and where there might actually be really strong, compelling stories that haven't really been covered yet within the organization?
1: Yeah, so I think um, the first thing is, you know, making sure that there's done there's been some some research done to understand who their customer is and what their customer really cares about so that you're producing content that is actually going to be relevant and useful. um, And and you're not just sort of guessing at what you think that they want or um, just aligning with your, what your product um, might drive for content. So that's the first piece. And I think the way to do that is if, if that hasn't been done, you need to do some type of research and that could be again, starting with a survey to um, better understand customers, it can be interviews, either of those. But I think a lot of times you can um, combine that step also with the step of actually using that research to create data-driven storytelling. So it's kind of like if you haven't done that step or if you have done that step and you still want to create data-driven content, either way, there's an opportunity there to come out with something original that aligns with um, what your customers are concerned about and care about. Do most
0: people hear that, okay, you have to write, you have to create, and they just go, uh, I'm out.
1: (laughs) No, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I guess I tend to work with brands that already understand that content marketing does work and it's valuable. So, you know, I suppose there's some marketers that maybe still need education around that, but I think a lot of brands these days, I mean, content marketing has been um, around and an effective strategy for quite a while now. So I think that my experience has been most marketers understand that it's just sort of that, how to conquer a lot of those challenges in it of the resources to do it. And I think ideation and just coming up with topics and topics that, you know, don't feel like they've been done 500 times already, right? Like when you're in a space with other competitors, how do you how do you sort of take that same topic and make it your own and make it different enough to get engagement? I think um, you know those are some of the big issues around actually producing the content.
0: Well, what a great setup for a question. How do you do that? How do you <laughs> actually conquer that?
1: So I think again, it kind of goes back to you want to make sure that you're you um, doing something original and unique and that ties right into doing some type of thought leadership content and there are a bunch of different ways to do this and um you know require different types of budgets depending what you want to do and investment time investment and resources but the the most the simplest i think is even just going to your internal subject matter matter experts Mm -hmm. and getting um spending time interviewing them and getting their perspective on you know so you can take a topic that that is out there in your industry and you know you sort of need to show up on that topic because everybody else is but you want to make sure that the way you show up um differentiates you shows that you guys have a different expertise a different value sort of offering um, and different thoughts about it right so the that's where you can tap into those experts that are internal to your company and really get their perspectives and their deep knowledge and then share out that deep knowledge. Um, Don't just go out and do some Google research, but really tap into the people. I think that people are your strongest, whether you're using internal people or external people, those are one of your strongest pulls for creating original um, thought leadership content that's just gonna perform better because People don't want to read the same thing. They want to read something that is unique and different. And so you're going to be sitting
0: down with the team members, having a brainstorm session, doing an interview informally with them, potentially recording it, getting a transcription of it, um, or just taking notes so that you can then go and create.
1: Correct. Yeah. Those are the, the basic
0: steps. What are some of the mistakes people make?
1: Well, I think um kind of going back to the first set of, I think the the biggest mistake that I see people make is just not taking the the time to do those steps. They'd rather just get content out and they'd rather, or they find like, well, it's really hard to get, you know, on people's calendars and, you know, I, I just need to create content. So they sort of skip over some of those steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really the biggest mistake is just not trying to shortcut the process a little bit um, is one of them. And then the other one that people make is, again, um, not taking the time to understand what their customers care about. You know, even if they understand that the content shouldn't be sort of product focused or company focused or salesy, um, they still sort of may be guessing <laughs> that what the, at the target audience and what they actually care about and what um, they problems they are trying to solve and what would really be relevant to them. So again, that goes back to that research step of taking the time to really understand what customers need from the content that you're going to develop. And if you don't do those two steps, then whatever you develop is probably not going to um, engage and perform the way you hope.
0: And so once you have started, you've gotten this content, you've sourced it, you've put it down on paper, what do you do with it then? Are you just taking it and doing one thing? Are you repurposing it in many ways and slicing and dicing and creating a cornerstone that you can use to really build off of? Or what's your approach?
1: Yeah. So um, definitely you want to repurpose it um, in, in a bunch of different ways. And you know, one of the types of content that um, I do a lot with clients is is these uh, types of original research, Cornerstone, where you, where you do do the survey of a target audience and you come out with um, both internal and kind of external. Like you might include some survey questions that just help you, but you also are including um, survey questions around a story that you're going to tell with your data in your content. And you, the first step would be creating that cornerstone report with it. But then you can do so much more with it. You can use it um, in your social media. You can use it to create webinars, infographics, um, you know, I think getting people on video to talk about the data, or again, if you're doing internal subject matter, matter expert interviews, you can even get people on video that way. Um, you know, these days, most interviews happen over Zoom. So you could repurpose those Zoom calls if you want um, into little video snippets that you can post and share out and obviously blog posts. Um, so yeah, and podcasts. I mean, and even the the other thing is even um, trade shows and events, um, I've had a lot of customers that have had a lot of um, success with using their um, like research and data that they found to actually get um, speaking engagements. I had one client who had tried for a couple of years to get a speaking engagement at a trade show that they really wanted and had been declined. And when they came with their cornerstone report and their data, um, not only did they get the spot, they got a prime spot at at the event. So it can make a big difference to really have something that is original and thought leader ship oriented when you're when you're trying to get those types of engagements.
0: And we touched upon this before we started chatting, but chat GPT, it's the word of the moment, all things AI. How are you leveraging it? And how are you suggesting others?
1: Well I I mean for me personally I leverage it in kind of like the small ways of like um you know getting headline ideas and um you know maybe other kind of like, I have that's really the main one that I leverage it. I've tried it a few other times. I've like tried feeding it a transcript um, <laughs> and had it make up the quotes, even though I gave it a transcript. So <laughs> I'm still a little on the fence of like, no, I think it actually cost me more time than I tried to save. But I think um, I, you know, I do know that if you're writing really kind of basic, what I would call often content mill type content, then maybe um, chat. GPT can can do the job or do 70% of the job and you have to bring in a human for the, the last 70%. But what I what I see is that as that becomes a more common use case um, that companies just want to use it to quickly push out content for their blog or whatever. I mean, we're already inundated with content. There's so much in it and you have to try to get your content to surface in and um, get somebody to actually want to read it already is a challenge. So... I think that that challenge is just going to increase, and that is again where having original and unique um, content is is going to play a big role. You know, people people wanna hear from their peers, people wanna hear from people in the industry, and so doing that kind of interview-based content, as well as kind of data collection, data-driven, whether that's using, you know, if you're um, like a marketing analytics company, maybe you have internal data that could be turned around into interesting content that they can benchmark themselves against their peers. Or again, you know, I mentioned the survey-based original type of research that you could do. So all of these types of content, I think, are going to kind of rise to the surface in terms of getting engagement because, you um, if everybody's pushing out AI content and it's not unique to begin with, it's it's creating based off <laughs> you know previous inputs. So it's not gonna be original. So it's just not gonna stand out in the same way.
0: And it might not be uh, time, timely as far as like what is actually happening now. Because if you're using ChatGPT, you obviously had a threshold where it shut down and it's not quite yet. Up to date there's other platforms like perplexity is a good one to use that is more up to date and it sources um the reason why i like it is it's um actually sources stats and research but it does so in such a way that it actually tells you where it's getting the stats (laughs) and research so it's not just fictional chat gpt land and you can go in and then hunt down the initial um of contact that put this out there so that you can dial in a little bit more realistically too
1: yeah and you know the other limitation with like chat gpt is um you know it's sourcing from several years back so when you're talking about doing content writing in in the business space i mean i don't um ever source you know usually two years old is kind of the shelf life of um data stats so Chat GPT is already outdated right. right there, even if it gave you the source, which it usually doesn't. And half the time, you don't even know if it is a real stat. Yep.
0: <laughs> and no, I actually have, I use Chat GPT a lot for um, our agency. And so our team uses it to clean up what they're writing, to edit. Um, down to take something that's too long to condense it, um, with writing to um, put in a topic idea and ask it to, uh, along with some supporting questions and ask it to form an outline so that you can actually build off of it. So there's ways that it really does help you, I think, come up with more more ability to write if you're someone who cannot just put pen to paper and let the flow go. So it gives you a structure that you can work within, which I think is really valuable for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely, there's value to it and it it will get used. Um, You know, the, the question is though, I think, which I was getting to is just sort of how, when there's more AI generated content, which means more content in general, because it's easier to generate, how do you then continue to get your content in front of your target audience?
0: Right. Because right now there's such a glut. And in two years time, I can't even imagine how much content there's going to be. And, you know, Google, unless you are a mastermind at using these AIs, that it can recognize, actually, whether it's AI generated content, because it's so perfect in some ways. It doesn't actually have the human errors that you need to have or just different ways of speaking and colloquialisms. Um, So it's easier to identify. And that's why college students are
1: getting busted. Yeah. So and that will go into the search engine as well, right? Yeah. Eventually, if unless Google changes their philosophy and decides to prioritize AI, AI. <laughs> <laughs> they may. You never know with Google. It's a special
0: beast, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> So when you have put all of this content together, you know, I was having an interesting conversation with one of our clients this morning where um, we're sourcing a thought leader for a white paper that is going to be very science-driven, but for a consumer initiative. And, you know, the conversation is, okay, get the white paper, then what do you do with this content as well? And so that's, I think, a big challenge people have sometimes. They come up and they put all their power and energy into writing this fantastic thing. And then they don't actually do anything with that thing besides publish it. And they don't cut it down and they don't repurpose and they don't pitch it out to press and they don't use it, as you said, for speaking engagements. What are some of the ways that you think people could better use this once they've actually dialed it in?
1: Well, what I think they need to do is, again, it goes back up before you even start your project. You need to know what your goals are with your project. Um, You know, is your goal... Um, lead generation? Is it media mentions? Is it SEO and backlinks? What, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with that piece of content? You can have more than one goal, but I think you need to understand, you know, what's your highest priority and kind of have them tier ranked because that's the first thing that sort of level sets what happens next. And then still, again, before you even get to writing and and your content, you need to have your promotion plan in place. You need to think about how am I going to distribute this? What is that going to look like? Because again, it does inform what you create. Mm-hmm. And so if those two steps, like you said, a lot of people think, well, they, they may know that they're going to do white paper and they're going to put it in a, you know, they're going to design it and put it in a PDF and, and maybe use it for lead gen, but they haven't really thought through a full promotion plan. So, um, you know, they spent, I don't know, five, $10,000 by the time you add a design and everything for um, this white paper, maybe more if it's a more extensive one. Um, and and they haven't thought about how they can use it. So you need, I think the important thing is first to start that those steps need to happen before you actually even get to putting pen to paper and deciding what your project is. And then, um, yeah, I think there are so many ways, whether you're, even if you're doing a white paper where you are just researching what's online or whatever and not, although I, I think you should still definitely at least have some, even if you don't quote them, you should still be doing some internal, um, interviews for background if you're if you're serious about producing a quality piece of content Um, but you need to think about all the different ways again like if you are using internal experts they would be great for a webinar and that webinar can take the ideas from the white paper and then push people to read the full white paper Um, you know again breaking down little snippets and data and research that you've included and using it on LinkedIn, um, content syndication may be something that you wanna consider if it's, um, you know, something that you've invested a lot of time and effort and you wanna get in front of a very specific audience. um, Sometimes that can be worth it. I think you also wanna think about if you're, even if it's just for lead gen, you wanna be thinking about your paid ads, um, you know, and how you, you need to think about the whole ecosystem, everything that you could do with it. And you need to be thinking about that before you even start writing. But a lot of
0: people don't. (laughs) No, they don't. They're just like, yeah, I'm out, done. And it's true though. Like a lot of people will sit there and they'll put together so much work and and anything. I see it in surveys as an example. And surveys, I think is one of the biggest areas that you don't think of what the actual story is that you're trying to tell always. And you come up with all these great questions, but they're not actually tied into the result that you're going to be needing. That's the power punch that media is gonna pick up or that people are gonna int- be interested in. And it's just facts versus meat.
1: Yes, and I'm glad you brought that because I think um, survey design, when you're doing like a data-driven um, content, so many people think that survey design is just sitting down and you just whip out a survey and um, it'll be good. but. If you don't have that storytelling piece in place before you ever design your survey, you don't understand, you need to come, you need to step back and say, what is my hypothesis? What is the story I think the data is gonna reveal and how do I wanna tell that? And then you design your survey and you still need to be thinking about in your survey, how you are writing those questions to turn them into headlines. And I see this so often that um, whether it's clients or even agencies that offer this type of, service. I mean, I just finished um, a report this year with a client that had been doing um, a state of IT ops report for the last four years. And they were kind of like, just getting like meh data. We're like, we're spending all this money and what we get is not that interesting. And when I worked with them, one of the things was I looked at how the survey was designed and how the questions were written. And, you know, I changed a lot up there, even if we were asking the same type of questions, because they weren't leading to headlines they weren't thinking about that next step of where am i going to go with this data and the difference so this year um in the first month that they published their report this year they got three times the leads than they got all of last year from not just their report. one time all of last year all of last year based and versus one month because the survey design matters and they said oh yeah you know what our previous vendor actually leaned into us for survey design, but we're not survey designers, we're just marketers. you know. So I think a lot of people overlook that survey design is an art and a science, and especially when you're using it for content, not just to get data, but when you wanna translate that into content and PR, you need to think about that differently than just whipping out a bunch of questions that you're curious to answer. <laughs>
0: Where are some other areas that you see people not necessarily dialing it in the right way?
1: Um, I I think that the other place that um, I see people not necessarily dialing it in is, again, um, if PR is a goal of theirs and media mentions, not thinking about that at the outset, um, sometimes waiting until they've got the piece and then being like, oh yeah, let's do PR with this. But then they haven't thought at the beginning, like what, what would the media want? <laughs> right. And now they're trying to have what they take what they have and try to make it media worthy. And that's a much bigger challenge than um starting at the beginning. And again, if like if you're doing a original research report and media mentions a PR is one of your big goals and you're gonna use a PR agency, they should be involved right at the beginning, um, even if they're not running the report, they should be there right at the onset, um, working with your research vendor or your internal marketing team to have those discussions. Again, it all goes back to what is the story we're trying to tell, what data and questions would inform that story, and then going into the survey and moving forward from there. If you kind of don't do it in that order, you're going to spend a lot of money um, and not get the return on investment you could.
0: And when you are working with people, um do they get this? Do they understand it usually or are they do they want to invest the time that is needed? Um more and you set it up for them and better do they understand the fact that this is I isn't think um
1: when I'm working with people, they understand it if it's explained to them correctly. And like I said, I've had a couple of clients where it's been like, they've done, they've already invested once or twice and haven't gotten the results they wanted. And then when I walk them through it and we bring, you know, the PR person in at the beginning or we talk more about how the data and the storytelling have to line up and then move forward, then they see better results on the end. So, I mean, so I think it's a matter of educating I don't think that it's people are opposed to it. It's that sometimes they just don't know and they didn't know when they started and if somebody didn't explain it to them, um, they get because to- Because they're not writers
0: themselves and content creators necessarily themselves and they're running businesses or they're running departments and divisions and this isn't their knowledge.
1: Well, or, and again, if you're working specifically with the research, what happens is sometimes they're working with a research vendor who isn't a content vendor yeah. or, and they they may be content creators, but they're not researchers. So you, you don't have the kind of, the combined skill set, mm-hmm. and so then the gaps emerge because yep. the research company knows how to do research, but they're not really thinking about content. You know how to do content, but you don't know how to do the research, so you're not really thinking about how the two have to intersect. That's that's usually the biggest gap that I that I see um, out there. How can our listeners
0: learn more about you? So if they're like, yep, that's me. I totally, we have set off so many times in the land of content and not gotten the results that we wanted.
1: How can they find out how you can help? Um, My website is redpointcontent.com. So they can go there. I'm also on LinkedIn um, and they can connect with me there. Perfect.
0: And you said the magic word just then, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So how are you instructing or helping um, clients with their thought leadership or uh, in getting more awareness on LinkedIn? Is that one of the priorities that you're seeing come up with people trying to publish more on that site?
1: I don't specifically handle social media, but um, I certainly encourage them to use um, the content on LinkedIn. And You know, I have done some um, like research reports where in in the design process, we're creating, you know, pieces of, um, you know, graphics that can be used on LinkedIn for the posting of of the data stat or banners or whatever they want to use it for. But certainly I think, any content you create, there's always an opportunity to repurpose it on social media. And, um, and that is actually another place that you could use Chat GPT as a starting. I don't think it can do all the work for you as well, but I have used it for that as well, where you can pull out, you can give it a larger piece and say, you know, create five LinkedIn posts for me. You're going to have to tweak it. It's not going to come out perfect, but it can help you kind of pull out segments, um, to reuse on, on social.
0: Yes, it'll even give you emojis
1: if you would like. Yeah.
0: They created emojis that you can fill with <laughs> smiley faces, sunshines, and rainbows. <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, any other ways that people should be approaching content creation that we haven't touched on today?
1: Um, I think... You know, the other thing that I was just this is just more of a challenge that I have actually been really surprised about so maybe just something people should be thinking about as they work through this is is the project timeline. I've been surprised how many of my own clients have when I do like case studies with them that one of the biggest values is actually that the projects are on time. <laughs> and so I think especially when you're getting into a bigger project like a, you know, a research project that is going to be multi-month, um, but even a white paper, you know, is is making sure that you have a timeline that is realistic. That um, you know, if you do have an event or date, you need something from your working back, but you have to be realistic. Like, um, and you should expect your vendors to be realistic, your agencies to be realistic. I mean, that's something I've been told as well. Is that sometimes people just say, "Yes, we can do it," and then. To win the business instead of having an honest conversation saying, well, that's just not really a feasible timeline to deliver quality. So um, thinking about that, especially if you're doing interviews, just again, that um, challenge of getting on people's calendars, you need to be realistic about starting that process right out the gate. Even if you don't know exactly what you're going to ask them yet, start trying to get on their calendar and then um, being realistic that it's going to be at least one to two week process probably to get your interviews in and, and scheduling that in.
0: Yeah. I think it's looking at this as a project and it's not just, oh, you're going off and you're writing. You actually need to project management this. You need to use your Monday boards or project management system, come up with all the different steps that you're going to do, including your publicity plan on it, and then set in your dates so that you can have a plan of action that your team can have more chance of actually hitting the message. (laughs) Well, thank you, Becky, so much. Really appreciate your time today. Um, I love, again, all things content. It is so powerful. It can change your business. I've seen it with our clients. I've seen it with our agency. We generate millions of dollars of new business because people find us online through what we've written and shared and educated. And you can do that for your business, too. Everyone can. And as long as you niche and you're a thought leader and you provide value and education, people really respond well to it. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was great talking with you.
0: Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you are ever interested in having your brand, become involved in other people's content, like movies and TV shows or influencers, um, reach out and I'm happy to chat with you or have our team connect. Until then, have a great one.